On this week's episode, we welcome attorney Ben Crump. The talk of the country is that Ben Crump uh, has filed a lawsuit, joined the lawsuit against the Baltimore school system. Take a look at this package from Tom Bites from the press conference because joining us today on this edition of the Armstrong Women's Show is civil rights icon Ben Crump and will also be joined by Dr. Ben Crump. asking a judge to intervene on behalf of taxpayers okay. and have Baltimore City Public Schools yeah. implement yeah. reforms. Yeah. And with Ben Crump now joining the lawsuit, they hope that could mean real change. The building blocks for life often start at a young age. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Learning your ABCs to read, write, and spell your name. M, E, S, S, I, A, H. Their skills, three-year-old Messiah is already mastering. H, I, J, K, L, M, N, P. Skills his grandmother says her 19-year-old son, Kyrie, still struggles with. He's 19 years old. And he can barely spell his name, first or last name. He can, he can barely, he can't write his name. Nicole McDonald says Baltimore City Schools failed Kyrie. It makes you feel hopeless in a sense. It kind of feels like the generations are dying. It's why she found herself here today at a press conference where civil rights pioneer Ben Crump announced he's joining a lawsuit to hold Baltimore City Schools accountable. I said I could not afford to stand on the sideline and not try to make the system be more accountable to us, especially our children. He's coming on to the lawsuit led by parents just like Nicole, Giovanni and Shawanda Patterson. It accuses Baltimore City of forcing taxpayers to fund a school system that underperforms and has a history of grade changing and inflated enrollment numbers. If we can somehow get everybody to the table here in Baltimore and be transparent and talk about how we can make it better for all of our children then maybe we can do it in other cities across America. This comes weeks after the Maryland Inspector General for Education confirmed more than 12,000 failing grades were falsely changed to passing in Baltimore City Schools over a five-year span. That report was launched after a Project Baltimore investigation and now has many calling for criminal charges. When they don't have a good education, the opportunities are few and minimal and the jail cell is staring them right in the face. With a big name like Crump now on the team, taking on an even bigger system, McDonald hopes for real change. I pray, I, I really pray, because I don't know what else needs to be done. And a brighter future for not just her grandson, but all the children in Baltimore City Schools, so they have those building blocks they need. This is bigger than us. For a successful life. The lawsuit is not seeking money, but rather oversight over the Baltimore City public school system. An, an extraordinary um, coming together of unlikely allies. You were in Baltimore, Maryland recently at the courthouse where you joined Giovanni and Shonda Patterson's lawsuit as co-counsel uh, challenging the Baltimore City school system to do better in educating 
their children. Why? You know, Armstrong, we've been following this issue for quite a while since uh, the Pattersons approached me. I followed your news reports on schools in crisis, but most importantly, a lot of parents and former teachers have talked with me about, you know, these critical issues that they think are killing our children slowly every day by denying them a quality education, denying them literacy, denying them the ability to read and write. Educational injustice ultimately leads to racial injustice in the sense that it has black and brown children on the fast track for the school to prison pipeline. And that's what we're fighting. You know, nobody could argue if you don't have the ability to read and write, if you don't have the education or literacy, it's like you're already in prison in American society today. They just haven't slammed the prison cell door on you. And so we are fighting. The reason I joined this lawsuit is to fight for our children to have an equal opportunity at having life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, those fundamental American aspirations and promises that we want to give all of our children. Black and brown children shouldn't be denied that because the school systems failed them. You know, your wife is a former teacher. She's PhD now. You have a daughter who's very bright, does very well in school, both parents involved in her education. Could you imagine your child being in a system where the average GPA is 1.0 for the entire school district, barely able to read? I mean, as a parent, there's a role that you must also play in this education experience. You know, as a parent, uh, we intentionally have our daughter in the public school system uh, because we believe that we can't give up on the public school systems. We have to fight for our children, those who most desperately need a good education, the ones that are growing up in the inner cities and the statistics are all against them. For me, I was one of those children and it was education that led me to where I am today. As Malcolm X said, education is the passport to the future. And without education, it is still in our children's future. And I'll say this, Armstrong Williams, it really isn't just about my child. As I, I've said often, whether we're fighting for Trayvon Martin or Breonna Taylor, it's about all our children. It's about all our children having an opportunity to live out the fulfillment of destiny that God has for them without their life being snubbed out. Well, the same way a senseless uh, act of brutality with a police bullet killing our children, it is just as horrific for our children to be killed softly and subtly every day by uncaring, unsympathetic school system that has said we rather just go along to get along. We don't care if you can read or write when you graduate. 
That is a slow death. Was this your reference during the press conference? A death by a thousand cuts? Absolutely. I mean, it literally, when you count up the school, number of school days in a year, and you multiply that by 12 years, and if a child graduates and can barely read on a elementary school level, if that, how can you say it's anything but death by a thousand cuts? You know, you've given so many parents and their children hope, but is this systemic? I think it's systemic, not just in Baltimore. I think this is systemic, not just in Baltimore, but it's systemic in cities all across America, whether Rochester, whether, you know, uh, Detroit, whether Los Angeles, the school systems are failing our children. It's not our children failing, it's the school systems. This lawsuit is not about teachers' performance. It's about the system holding them back from being able to do their job. These teachers are dedicated and passionate, and they want to make a difference in the lives of children. But when they are told they have to change grades, that's not what these teachers went to college to do. That's not why they went into the uh, teaching profession. They went into the teaching profession to challenge themselves to be able to educate the next generation of children. And many of them have said the system is an impediment to them being able to achieve that objective. So what we have to do is say to the system, if we continue to do things the way we are doing them and expect different results, it is the definition for insanity. And what message are we really sending our children? So obviously there has been a triumph and much praise from around the country for you sort of stepping out of the box to join the Baltimore City Law School. And while this lawsuit is unusual, you're not seeking money. You're seeking to make sure that you believe that these children are entitled to literacy. You were involved in something very similar in the Detroit school system. But for those that are wondering, how did you arrive at finally making a conscious decision against all the criticism, going against people who you see as mentors, as friends, and some people even say betraying your own community? This was not an easy decision for you. No, it's not an easy decision because uh, many of these school districts were being led by uh, minorities. And so we are normally allies in many ways on many issues. And it is my sincere hope that we can be allies here. I understand as a lawyer, especially as a civil rights trial lawyer, that courts traditionally in America have been the apparatus to push forward progress. And so we're turning to the courts again with this novel lawsuit based on the taxpayers having a right to not have to pay taxes for a system that is not doing what it is supposed to do. Uh, it is going to be landmark here in Baltimore, this lawsuit. And if we're successful here in Baltimore, then we can use it as a model for cities all across America. And that's how I arrived at this decision to say that, you know, even when it's unpopular, we always have to do the right thing.
And I believe fighting for our children is the right thing. And hopefully the people who don't understand how I arrived at this decision with searching their heart and put politics aside and put our children first. What, what about the, the teachers who've been involved in the educational system who spoke with you before you joined the suit? Because obviously you do your own thorough research and also those that spoke at the press conference. Obviously you could tell that you were moved by their stories. Yeah, so many of these young teachers, these young teachers who just wanted to try to contribute to this education in their communities. Many of them grew up here in Baltimore and they wanted to try to make a difference and they found that the biggest fight they had was with the system, not with trying to educate the children. And so they became frustrated and they said, well, we need to go run for school district because we are the change we seek. And I love that when young people come to that conclusion that, you know, we have to be part of the process if we're really going to make the change. And, and I, I can't tell you I'm strong. I keep thinking back in the back of my mind, obviously, your mother and my mother and grandmother had profound impacts on our life and our way of thinking. And I remember reading with my grandmother during Black History Month about Booker T. Washington, the great Negro educator who founded the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. And he always said, it is easier to build up strong children than to try to repair broken men. You know, obviously, um, if you're in a school system like Baltimore, where the leadership is predominantly black, the mayor, the city council, I mean, they control everything. This is what the civil rights movement was about. You give us the power, we will make the change, we will better educate our children. Uh, it, is, it is one thing if these kids were in a system where the leadership was all white, I'm sure you could easily hear the cries of racism, but is it not? So if it's not racism, and I know you won't embrace that it could be racism, and you won't say they don't care, obviously they care, why? do their leadership continue to fail these kids, not just in Baltimore, but across the country? Is it that they can't be effective leaders? Have they become a part of the problem instead of the solution? Well, I know when we study institutional racism, one of the things that we have long come to realize is you can move individuals in and out, but if the fundamental principles of the institution are the same, you're gonna get the same results. If we're just in the institution being uh, deliberate about just trying to move children through the system, whether or not they're educated, then it doesn't matter if the superintendent are black, brown, or white. The system is running as it has always ran. What we need is people to be courageous enough to challenge the system and say, if the system is not working, then let's fix the system. Let's don't just try to go with the path of least resistance. Why did you launch what will eventually become a national movement? Why Baltimore? Because, you know, Baltimore, like Detroit to me, symbolizes the most challenge 
of communities. And if we can prevail here in Baltimore, then I think we can pretty much prevail anywhere in America. I, you know, you, you in your uh, news reports talked about all the statistics that show how poorly the school system is doing in Baltimore. Well, what if we can make progress here? Then doesn't that give us hope for the other school districts that may not be rated as low as Baltimore? If we can do it in Baltimore, where we have children who are not graduating with the inability to read or write, but children who are graduating and all going to college, what a testimony that would be. And, and I understand this is a test. As my grandmother said, you can't have a testimony unless you first have the test. So Baltimore is the test, and I believe we're going to have a testimony not just for Baltimore, but not just for America, but more importantly, for all our children. Interesting having to do two BCs together. I know. The two Bins, um, Ben BCs. Crump and Ben Carson. How <laughs> important is it what Ben Crump is doing in joining this Baltimore City Law School about these failing schools, not just in Baltimore? Well, I think it's very important because it shows that this is an issue that crosses all ideologies. I mean, we're talking about the future of our country. We only have 330 million people. We have to compete with China and India, which have four times that many people. That means we need to develop all of our people. We can't afford to waste any of them. And basically, when we don't educate them, we're wasting them. What should the schools do? You have the Carson Scholarships. This has been a big issue for you and your wife, Ken. For and you've been very years. successful at educating kids. No different than the C schools, which the Models established here right. in Washington, D.C., and Tom Friedman's wife established uh, in Baltimore. I got it opposite, right. but you understand the point. What, what needs to change? Well, you, first of all, you need to understand that a child, particularly a young child, is a sponge. They grow very quickly. That's one of the reasons that Vladimir Lenin said, give me your children for four years to teach, and the seed that I sow will never be uprooted. They know what they're talking about. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, and not depart from it. So what, what we did with Carson Scholars is we start putting in reading rooms all over the country. We have more than 250 of them now with uh, beautiful books that attract kids, and we put them primarily in Title I schools. These are schools that are poor, where kids come from homes with little in the way of reading materials, go to schools that are not adequately funded. But when they go to this place, they can get points for the number of books they read. They can trade them in for prizes. In the beginning, they're interested in the prizes, but it doesn't take long before that affects their academic performance. And many statistics have shown us that if you can get a kid reading at grade level by grade three, the chances of them graduating from high school skyrocket. And those, those are the kinds of things that we need to be looking at. And we also need to be thinking seriously about choice, providing people with choice, because that is what will really motivate, particularly the public school systems, to improve. They're not really accountable to anybody right now. And uh, so, you know, they're not spending a lot of effort. I guarantee you that if they knew that at the end of the semester, if the kids haven't learned, uh, there would be some significant consequence. <laughs> you would see a very different system.
You know, at your press conference a few weeks ago, I heard parents saying, this is revolutionary. Ben Crump is going against the grain. He's no longer a politician. It's not just about law enforcement and police brutality. Everything to them starts with education. He cares about my child. He cares about the parents. Your voice for them. Could this be the next paradigm, the revolution, civil rights movement, meaning that people from both sides, you, you said it's not about Republican and Democrat, but people of conscience who really see the crisis in education come together and do something about it? Well, at the foundation, it's always about education. Uh, I believe that if children do not have literacy, basic literacy, they can't read and write when they graduate from high school, then it's already like they're in prison mm -hmm. in this American society of today. They just haven't slammed the prison cell door. And so I fight every day against, you know, bias and brutality where children, especially young black children, are shot in the back by police bullets, where I think it's just as horrific when you have children being killed softly every day in an unsympathetic, uncaring school system that doesn't care about them getting a quality education. They're just pushing them along because that's what the system has done and has always contributed to. We can't have that kind of, you know, mediocrity anymore. And so me joining this lawsuit really was about our children. If you're going to fight for our children not to be killed by police brutality, then you got to fight for them not to be killed by a mediocre school system because education injustice inevitably leads to racial injustice. When you think about these children are going to the school and to prison pipeline if they don't have education, what are your options? if you don't have an education in this society today. I mean, you resort to crime and violence because there are no other possibilities, but we can do this. We can help this system make better outcomes if we all just sit at the table together and put the children over politics. And that's what I endeavored to do with joining this lawsuit to say, no, our children are bigger than any political ideology. on another episode.